Hello, and welcome to Lord of the Rings Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze the movie The Fellowship of the Ring one minute at a time. I'm Norman Mitchell. I'm Cassandra Fredrickson. And joining us today is Raiden from Anglophies Podcast. <laughs> the Anglophies Podcast? Yeah. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Hello. Okay. And today we're going to be talking about Minute 71, which starts with Gandalf up on top of Orthanc looking down at Isengard in the rain. And ends with a wide shot of Weathertop at dusk. Yeah. So. There's two very different things happen in this minute. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. <laughs> 30 seconds in, it just switches where we are. Right. So we get to see more of the trees getting pulled down in Isengard. And it's apparently, uh, Peter Jackson said it's the same tree from multiple angles when it, you see it falling from the ground. <laughs> yeah, that's if funny. you watch it carefully, you can totally tell. That yeah. You're like, no, that's budget saving right there. Good right? job. It's <laughs> the definition of, of budget saving. They built one big fake tree, dug one hole, and then they just kept knocking it down and pulling it back up. <laughs> knocking and down Philippa and Fran were, were firm to assure us that no real trees were harmed in the making of this. Yes. I'm glad. Me too. Because <laughs> that tree looks so beautiful. It does. They did a really good job faking a tree. All their fake trees look really good. <laughs> I mean, two of them, they did destroy real trees to make so far. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they sawed up a tree and then reassembled it and put fake leaves on it. Yeah. In a couple of places. Which is sad. Well, I mean, if the tree was already kind of dying or yeah. dead, I mean... That's fair. Might as well use it for your art instead of it squishing a house or something. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, during this minute of the commentary, uh, Howard Shore talks about the music in Isengard a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And one of the things he mentions is that this is the only theme in the movie that's in 5-4 rhythm. Ooh, that's cool. And it's in 5-4 on purpose, so it sounds more like mechanical and out of place. Right. Yeah. And a little bit broken, he said. Yeah. Yeah, because four four is standard. Right. And I don't know. Five four is hard. Yeah. So this theme, the Isengard theme, is in five four, and it's sense. he said it's actually very simple. It's mostly like chains and metal percussion that make yeah. up, and low low horns. Because we hear it again, I think next week when the Urukai. Yeah, yeah. I, we absolutely Spoiler. will hear it for the Urukai. Yeah, spoilers. <laughs> spoilers. <laughs> We're really bad about spoilers, so I mean, if you've gotten to if you've gotten seventy one episodes into our podcast, I don't think you care about spoilers at this point. I mean, if if you're listening to this in the first place, you've probably seen the movie, right? Hopefully, I mean, otherwise, this is just a really weird way to watch the movie for the first yeah. time. <laughs> yeah, get the most in depth experience possible, and then go back and watch the whole thing. That would be really crazy. I think that would be very jarring. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I could stay in a movie like that. No. No. It'd be hard. <laughs> It'd be really hard. I like that um this this minute kind of basically shows two different like aspects of ruin. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. there's one happening in progress and then there's one that's just happened over time. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Kind of it's dark. I kind of yeah. like it's like thematic. I kind of like it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and give it, this is like the, the perfect minute to explore your 
advanced placement English essay on the major one of the major themes of Lord of the Rings. Please right. talk about <laughs> industry versus how industry destroys nature in a five paragraph right. essay. Go. <laughs> you you say that, but in for my AP Lit exam, I did actually write oh about God. Lord of the Rings. <laughs> When I, when I took my AP of Lit exam, because it was a question about uh, use of setting in a story. Um, I can't remember exactly what it was, and I wrote about Lord of the Rings. That's cool. Yeah. I wrote about him as... <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, that's a book. That's it's a it book. is a book. It's a book. <laughs> it's, a, it's a big book. I never could finish Les Mis. It was, I don't, it's hard. I don't, I don't really care for Hugo's writing all that much but that's neither here nor there i, I have never uh, <laughs> never attempted to start either uh lame uh or he also wrote hunchback yeah didn't he? Mm-hmm. yeah i've never attempted to start either of those i i think that it's fair in both of those to go for the abridged version the first time oh uh, yeah. i think that's totally fair because hugo like to wander off on digressions that make no that have no point a lot. Yeah, after like, like fifty pages of candlesticks. Yeah, after fifty pages of candlesticks, yes. I just can't do it or that anymore. Or <laughs> fifty pages on the Battle of Waterloo, just so you can meet two people who you'll never see again. <laughs> Lovely. Yeah. yeah. Lovely. I mean, I people bag on Tolkien for his writing style, but then you have so many other people who are much more verbose, but equally as dry. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, <laughs> definitely. Dickens. Excuse me. I actually, I don't mind Dickens. I, I like Dickens more than Hugo, but maybe that's just, mm-hmm. you know. I don't know. No, Dickens was paid Eddie. by the wording, you can tell. Yeah. That's his nano <laughs> novel. Right. I mean, you can say that of most, any fantasy writer that writes like an epic yeah. kind of thing like this is really guilty of occasionally just, just taking too long out. describing things. For George R. R. Martin, it's food. Yeah. Descriptions of food go too far. Yes, but we'll talk about that tomorrow. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. And, I mean, there's how many Wheel of Time books? Oh, there's like 14? 13? I think it's 15. It might be 15. I don't remember. But I mean. So, you know, anytime you write a big fantasy epic, there's always that, like, danger of going too far into things. And every every writer's kind of guilty of different aspects of it. Tolkien is certainly guilty of describing Scenery. trees and Scenery. fields in insane detail. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it is what it is, which is great when you're making a movie, I guess. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, what does this place look like? Uh, let me turn to page forty-five through fifty-one. But then there's then there's virtually no description of like of what people. the characters look like, right? What they're wearing, yeah. What like the description of Strider pretty much begins and ends with his eyes, nice, uh, and dark hair. I yeah, think. right. So you just put Alexander like, Hamilton in that role, and you're good. Hey, you know, whatever. I can tie anything in. <laughs> yes, perfect. Perfect. Oh my goodness. Um, so in the commentaries here, they also mention, and now I'm going to be listening for it to make sure, like, to know whether or not this is actually true. I'm going to really be paying attention to it, that they never name Weathertop in the movie. They don't. They just call it Amonsul. Yep. And oh. the, just the one time when Aragorn says this. Yep. Oh, The Great Watchtower of Amonsul. Blah, blah, blah. Yes, this used, this used to be the Great Watchtower of Amonsul. And they're like, oh, And then wow. he just... Real busted. It's a pile of rocks. <laughs> pile of rocks. Couple of random statues. <laughs> I feel like... Um, Aragorn's kind of 
like a like a history teacher at this point, <laughs> like taking taking his history class to like a museum, but they don't really appreciate it. So it's just like, here's this great, magnificent thing, and they're just like, oh, awesome, cool, awesome, a mountain we have to climb. Right. Do we get to sleep now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I miss second breakfast. Can we eat food now? <laughs> <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> um, the um, uh, yeah. that shot of Weathertop here too. Weathertop is not a set outside. They didn't build a Weathertop. Yeah. They just it's just a mountain and then everything on top of it or a hill and then everything on top of it's digital. That's cool. I mean, you can kind of tell yeah. in some of the shots mm-hmm. like it lingers a little too long. Yeah. Um, especially when I'm nitpicking minute by minute, but <laughs> Right. And you're like, "Oh, that line doesn't look natural." Yeah. Right. But it, it's I a mean, little bit more obvious in the Blu-ray. Yeah. You can, That's true. you can see the lines a little bit more in the Blu-ray. Yeah. But I mean, when this came out, you would just be like, oh, wow, that's a really good effect. Yeah. Right. And most of the special effects in this movie, and we meant, we keep mentioning this because it's true, they, they really hold mm-hmm. up most of them. Yeah. There's it's only really well like done. a handful of times where I'm like, uh, I don't know. Right. I mean, even the shot of Gandalf looking down at Isengard, like you can kind of tell isn't like real, mm-hmm. but right. it's still really convincing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially, like, with the trees moving and you see, like, little trees get knocked down in the miniature and stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. It's a really well-put-together shot. Yeah. yeah, I think it's kind of cool that they put so many pieces together for just that one shot of him on top of the roof. Because it's the miniature and a soundstage and digital and all... I think that's it, right? And then, like... There's, yeah. like, three different pieces. Yeah, and they're, like, blending, like, fake rain over the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And it looks pretty real. Because it's raining outside where they filmed for that scene. <laughs> yeah. and, then, and then they had to make it look like it was raining where Gandalf is. Right. So. And then somebody, I want to say it was Barry Osborne, was like, no, it totally works. It just makes it even more miserable for Gandalf. Everybody oh, yeah. Where he, just, he curls up and he's just like emo. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, poor Gandalf. He, he leans up against one of the spikes and he's just... Yep. Grumble, grumble. 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 <laughs> it's perfect. Um, I think they also said in the production commentary that they layered in noises that were supposed to be the voices of the trees. So, like, whale calls as mm-hmm. the trees are falling yeah. and being all like, oh, no. Treebeard, save me. I think it's cool that they decided to use whale calls. Mm-hmm. Well, because they sound so deep and sad. Right. But it's also kind of alien a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it gives the trees this kind of otherworldly well, it makes sound. Them, well, they sound old. It sounds yeah, ancient. Right. You know? Which is cool. I'm always fascinated by what Foley people decide to use for, like, ordinary noises. Right. When they're just like, well, we can't actually use, like, this dog howl because right. it doesn't sound so like we'll we want it to sound. So we'll just record this voice actor howling mm-hmm. 47 times and then pick the best one. <laughs> right. Blend it together some. Or with, like... We just saw Moana recently, mm-hmm. and like the the chicken is not a chicken; it's, it's poor Alan Tudyk. Alan Tudyk. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's pretty convincing. So yeah, yeah, it is. He, he's he's pretty good at that. Strangely, <laughs> I wonder how much he's practiced making chicken noises. How many hours of his life were That's wasted? So sad. <laughs> just in the mirror, just making chicken noises. <laughs> what? Wagging his arms. You don't do that. <laughs> 
That's I do when I'm practicing for either Arrested Development or Back to the Future. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know if I have any other notes for this one. Uh, one of the other like quick things here is that the approach to Weathertop, where Aragorn turns around and delivers that line, mm -hmm. that little bit of them coming over the hill, seeing Weathertop, Aragorn turning around, was directed by Barry Osborne on that day. Oh, sweet. Uh, Peter wasn't there at that location. He never went out to that location, apparently. <laughs> Barry filmed, like, directed that part. That's rad. And this week, we're going to get a couple of other moments that weren't directed by Peter. That's true. That are called out, which is cool. Sweet. But uh, other than that, I think that this minute is covered. Sweet. So, so Raiden, did you want to talk a little bit about um, your background with Lord of the Rings oh. in general? <laughs> I'm a fake nerd. <laughs> nerd. I have I did not read any of the books before I saw all the movies. Okay. I have managed to slog my way through fellowship. <laughs> and it was a slog. And I, yeah. I gave two towers a good try and then was just like, life is too short for this. No, that's fair. <laughs> I mean Allie we had on oh. last week was basically like, Yeah, I've only read Fellowship mm. and I think there's a lot of people because I think the movies make it so accessible and they're so thorough yeah. Yeah. that kind of reading the books afterward feels a little redundant. Yeah. And I get frustrated with giant fantasy epics with very few female <laughs> characters. Yeah. Which is kind of a thing. Yeah. It really, it really is. is. Yeah. Um, and I did... I also gave Hobbit a try, The Hobbit a try, when I was in high school. Mm. And I was working as an usher at the Children's Theater Company in Minneapolis when they had The Hobbit as their spring show, which was, it oh, was cool. a great production. It really was. I don't remember a lot of it. Um, but the, the woman who played Gollum was a dancer, and they used a lot of blacklight. Oh, that's really awesome. Super creepy and unsettling. Um, so I gave The Hobbit a try, and, like, Tolkien's writing and I just don't get along. Yeah, so. that's fair. I mean, it's... He's a linguist, so yeah. he's more interested in language than really... I mean, he tells a good story, mm -hmm. but... Yeah. It takes a while to get to the... Bare... I know you're, like, shaking your head because you love Lord of the Rings so much, but... <laughs> it really that's is. True. I mean, because when I first read them, I had to really struggle through them. It took me, like, being trapped on a plane for eight hours mm -hmm. to really start fellowship, so... <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess I'm just, like, I don't know, because I devoured these the first time I read them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It didn't take me that long to get through them. I have a friend who was an exchange student in Germany for a semester, and she allowed herself one English book and figured that the full Lord of the Rings counted as one book. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how she finally got through it. Oh, wow. That's cool. And then came home go. and took another three years to fight her way through the Cimmerillion. See, I haven't even read the Cimmerillion all the way through yet. No, but I watched yeah. all the Hobbit movies, so I know everything that is important, right? right? <laughs> <laughs> Too real. <laughs> I don't mind the Hobbit movies because I get what like eight and a half hours of Richard Armitage like glowering man paint at me, so I'm happy. Yeah, I'm that's good. true. 
I'm still so bitter about those movies because the cast was so great, but it was just mm-hmm. like, uh, yeah. we'll talk about yeah. that in like five years. Well, you know. <laughs> yeah. You know. <laughs> All right. So I think that's everything. Yeah. Sweet. You can find us online at duelinggenre.com, email contact at lordofthereingsminute.com, Twitter at LOTR Minute, Tumblr, LOTR Minute.tumblr.com. We have a Facebook page, a listener group. You can find this podcast on iTunes where you should leave us a five-star review. You should listen to Cassandra along with Scott and Nick on The Doctor's Companion. Scott and Nick on Back to the Future Minute. Scott and Nick and Cassandra (laughs) uh, write and direct and produce Geek by Night. You should also listen to the third minute podcast on our website, Harry Potter Minute. You should support us through Patreon, if you are so inclined, at DuelingGenre.com slash support, where we also have a one-time donation button. And finally... Yeah, merchandise. Merchandise. <laughs> yeah. It has arrived. <laughs> uh, thank you, Raiden, for joining us today. And your podcast was the Anglofees podcast? Anglofees. Anglofees. Uh, yep. And we are a monthly podcast with uh, three geek girls talking about geeky shit. Can we swear? Ah, uh, that's okay. fine. Yeah. Talking about geeky that one's things. Okay. <laughs> I should have checked beforehand. Uh, okay. We were three women from the U.S., Canada, and Scotland talking about geeky things and politics and whatever makes our little nerd hearts go pitter patter. Awesome. And cool. we would love for people to join us. Yeah, absolutely. Sounds cool. And as always, special thanks to our Patreon associate producer Leaper One Eighty Two. And we'll see all of you tomorrow. Bye. Bye. Bye.